my name is Devin Taylor, and you've 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 me. Do you mind? And this is what it sounds like. It sounds like someone from the 1900s Britain, just about to jump on a ship to sail all me way to Australia. How about that? Here we are again on a lovely, lovely, lovely day, and we're here to talk about things. Now, there's heaps of things going on in the world, but I'd rather not talk about it because we are in such a delicate state, fragilely, as a, as a global community. Um, I'm just not going to talk about it. But what I will share with you is um, just some stories, just some stories and some um, some good banter, so a wee bit of banter. For you today. That's what that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a wee bit of banter. We're just going to peter patter, peter patter about about, you know, some things. Some things that have been happening and some things that have not been happening. Some things that happened in the past and some things that have been happening in the future. How's that? Alright? So I asked a friend of mine and um if, if I could if I could share some stories. Um that he's experienced and he said yeah for sure you can um name me as well but i won't so um you can get cranky at me later but you know if you listen to it you know who you are but he was um working at this uh this hotel working at this place and um they they made the mash every day or they didn't or you know they made it so they would have uh, leftovers for service, and it got to um, the <laughs> it got to around the end of the night, and they ran out of mash. And this guy comes up with this this ran not not my friend, this guy this other chef comes up with a solution to say um, for mash. He says he was an Irish dude, so he's like, you you just just take these chips, boil them, and mash them. <laughs> it's It'll work. I've done it before. <laughs> and my mate was like, we're not doing that. <laughs> we just go out and tell them there's no mash. No, it's easy. The chips are already boiled. They're already boiled and cooked. You just gotta you've just gotta reheat them and mash them. Don't fry them. You just take the bag you just take the potatoes, the chips, out of the bag. Out of the bag, right? You put it in the pot, right? In the pot. There they go in the pot, and then you put the water on the on the chips that are in the pot, and then you fill them, and then you boil it, and then you strain it, and then you mash it. You add your butter, you add your cream, and there you go. You've got mashed potatoes. I've done it before. I might have been ad living a little bit, but that was basically the gist of it. So um, there you go. There's another story about um how how sometimes shortcuts don't really work, you know. Like, um, I work with this guy and he used to do this, um, he used to do this lamb pizza and instead of like, I've talked about before how generally, um, for, 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 or I haven't really talked about it, but you generally use secondary cuts on pizzas. You don't really use like chicken breasts or like, um, you know, steak, 
because it's kind of got me to, excuse me, I haven't had enough coffee. Excuse me, I haven't had enough caffeine today. So usually you use um, like secondary cuts, stuff that like can braise and be used um, a lot, will be a lot more moist when you cook it because it's going to go into like a, you know, a 200 degree oven for four or five minutes to cook or if it's wood fire, it's a lot hotter. So a lot of the meat is going to go, you know, tense up a lot, especially if there's no fat in it. It's going to just go to, um, yeah, it tastes like, like rubber. And, um, this guy, he used to do a lamb pizza and it was, um, oh, I can't remember what, what else is on it, but the lamb that he chose to use was the lamb backstrap. Now for all of you listening that don't know what a lamb backstrap is, it's quite expensive. And sometimes it gets up to about $50 a kilo, this, this bit of backstrap. And the, the reason it's so expensive is because you only get one per lamb. <laughs> so this guy was using a whole backstrap on the pizza. So this was the most expensive pizza on, you know, this, this side of the hemisphere. It was essentially a, a, a pizza for $20 that you, you're almost given away because you're paying $50 a kilo for the backstrap for this little, and they're only small. You don't get like a lot from a lamb uh, in terms of backstrap. You only get a little bit. So to use a bit of advice, don't use a primary cut on a pizza. All right. Just don't, it's just not worth it. It's not, it's not kosher, right? It's just not, it's not, it's not acceptable. You can't use a, a $50 a kilo piece of meat on a pizza. Anyway, so he used to get this backstrap and then he'd trim it up horribly and then he would seal it on the flat top. So he'd, you know, caramelize it with a bit of olive oil, a bit of salt, sometimes, not usually all the time, but he would just seal it. And then he would cut it up in little chunks. So it'd be like rare very rare, almost blue, and then just give it to the guys on the pizza section. So if they put too much on there, you would have to get more backstrap, right? And a lot of the people that were making the pizzas in this joints were cooks, they weren't chefs. So they would easily just put on like 20 pieces. (laughs) So essentially like nearly three backstraps. So, you know, almost, um, you know, close to a hundred dollars worth of backstrap on a pizza. And they didn't know because this guy wasn't really, um, wasn't really versed. Eh? He, um, he also once, so yeah, so don't do that. Don't put a backstrap on a pizza, a lamb backstrap on a pizza, use a shoulder or the leg, you know, use a part of the lamb that braises well and is going to be moist when you eat it. Because that was the other thing. The end result of it was like you're taking this nice piece of meat, this nice tender piece of meat, and then you've like essentially almost burnt it. And then you're going to put like, I think there was like balsamic reduction on it. And the balsamic reduction is balsamic vinegar and brown sugar. Just reduce until it's thick, right? And I'm, I'm pretty sure he made it. And it was like, it looked like, how you would, it looked like the, the tar that you would use to, 
to make a road. <laughs> you know, like you could pay, you could make a road with this balsamic reduction. I think they used to put it in the fridge too. Yeah, crazy, crazy. You don't put balsamic reduction in the fridge. It's just balsamic vinegar and sugar. Like it will not go off. I guarantee you, if you leave it out, it will not go off. It's just so much sugar in it. It's a lot of brown sugar too. It's like two kilos for, anyway, it's a lot. It will never go off. It'll never turn. It'll just stay nice and thick, which is what you want. You know, you want that sweet sourness from the balsamic and the sugar, right? But you don't want it on a lamb pizza. So what would come out of the of the pizza oven would be this dry, tough bit of lamb. And because it was like backstrap, it was okay, but it was not, it was not what you wanted. No, it was not what you would want on a pizza. A hundred percent. It was pretty rough. I, I personally use shoulder. I like to use lamb shoulder. Um, I've seen a lot of guys use uh, lamb shanks, but lamb shanks just fluctuating. Excuse me. I'll just have some coffee. Lamb shanks just tend to fluctuate a lot more because they get in and out of being popular so frequently. So, yeah, I'm more of a fan of the shoulder. The shoulder seems to stay at a, at a decent price, especially in Australia where we have a lot of lamb um, and we eat a lot of lamb. Australia eats a lot of lamb because we have a lot of lamb. Sometimes, like, it feels like we don't have lamb and the prices goes up, but I think... I think it's just a market fluctuation thing, you know. I think we always have a lot. We always have a lot of lamb, but so profit, we can still make profit. We just never take the price down from lamb. <laughs> we just always have it really high, which is fine, you know. That's um, economics, I guess. That's how you. Um, that's how you just win, I guess. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I'm a bit stuffy um, before. 12 o'clock. This is before 12 o'clock this episode, so I haven't really, um, I don't generally, I try not to eat before 12. It's like a, it's an own self-conscious thing. So I'll, I'll have some eggs soon and I'll feel a bit better. I try not to eat before, um, it's like a fasting thing. I try, I try and fast in the mornings. I just try and have coffee. Uh, in the morning. That's a, it doesn't matter. That's my own stuff that I'll deal with. So you guys don't need to worry about it. All right. Trust me. I've got this. Um, it's an old habit from chefing as well. Like you generally don't eat until either very late in the day or very late at night. You know, you just pick at stuff. That's generally what happens in kitchens is like, yeah, it's like the famine for no reason. <laughs> you just like you graze all day, you know. Um, so when you have your days off, you just like gorge and pig out because you haven't eaten in like 50 hours of that week. <laughs> you know? That's generally um, how hospitality works. Yeah. I reckon I've eaten more meals on milk crates than I've eaten in restaurants <laughs> at this stage. <laughs> I've eaten, yeah. That's the thing about like a lot of people don't realize that when you're working in an establishment, you're either generally, you, you get breaks, but you generally don't use that break to, um, you know, to 
to eat really nice food or, you know, eat, eat like, um, excuse me, sorry, you don't eat like, um, you know, you don't eat like a three course meal that your chef prepared for. Usually it's, um, what we call a one pot wonder, (laughs) a one pot wonder is you put, you know, whatever you want in the pot at the start of the day and then you just braise it off until it's a stew and then you eat it for lunch. Sorry, excuse me. That's generally the um, what you eat. But it's all right because sometimes you get some really nice things. I worked with one guy and he did this um, one-pot wonder and it had like um, corn like onion, heaps of veggies, heaps of garlic, and it was lamb cutlets, right? And he took the cutlets off the bone and just put like the um, the eye in there. And I did not think it would taste nice. But once he cooked it slow, slow for a very long time, all the fat was nice and gelatinous. And we used to make bread there as well. So we had it with like our, um, our house-made bread. And oh, it was really nice. Yeah, that was really good. Mm. Anyway, uh, I'm starting to get hungry now thinking about all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a few more stories because I've got heaps. I've got a, a plethora of stories. Usually, I'm sure we'll get to the point where I'll start to run out of stories. But um, I'll tell you one story. This one was a request. You know, some like professionally, um, I don't like to uh, put anyone down or anything like that, but. There was, um, I don't like to, you know, it's not really, um, it's not how you advance yourself as a person. You don't, you know, live for someone's downfall, essentially. <laughs> that sounds, it doesn't sound good. Um, but, you know, you, you end up, you talk to the guys and you're talking or whatever and you just end up telling stories about your past or about, you know, whatever. And, um you know, me, me and my mate, the guy who had the potato story, um, he was like, oh, chef, you gotta, you gotta tell that story. You know, I'm trying, I've been trying to think the last two days, how to say, to say it without implicating anyone or saying anyone's name. Cause that's not what we do here. We don't like stand here and like name and shame people. You know, we just tell the stories and we have a laugh about it. And then you guys realize, oh, that's what happens behind the doors. I was like, yeah, that does happen behind the doors. You know, all this stuff can happen and often does happen for better or worse. But there's always got to be someone at the end of it that learns something. That's the biggest lesson here is that all the stories I tell is that you learn from it. You know, you don't go and do that because you heard it on this podcast. This isn't like one of those, one of those things where, it's not like this is how you work in a kitchen <laughs> unless I'm giving you actual advice, you know? Yeah. This isn't a how, this isn't a how to uh, podcast. This is just like, we're all just talking and we're all just having a good time. So anyway, I worked at this place and it was a, um, it was a hotel. It wasn't a big hotel, but it was, it was rather large. And um, my friend and I, we, we followed our um, our head chef from one place to this place. We were like a little road crew, <laughs> you know, like he was like the superstar. We were the roadies, you know, that's how we seen him. We like idolize him. I still do in some respect, you know, I do. Um, I'm very thankful for 
um, his training because he guided me a lot through my um, the early stages of my career and really helped me see that you can do good food with simple things. You know, like he was um, definitely, um, he was just a really creative guy and he was just a really cool dude. You know, he was awesome. Um, I won't name and shame him, but if, you know, in the, uh, the early 2010s, you know who you are, you know, and I really appreciate your guidance and everything you've done. You've helped create the chef I am today. So I'm, I'm really, really thankful. Anyway, this guy, he had like some really great moments. I won't, um, I won't tell you his stories because hopefully one day he'll come on this podcast and we'll, we'll share a few stories ourselves and talk a bit about it and, and whatever. Anyway, so we were like the ro- we were like the roadies, <laughs> me and my mate. And he was like I said, he was like the superstar. We just followed him from gig to gig. Uh, we, you know, it didn't happen a lot, but it happened. Um, my my friend followed him a little bit more, so I kind of um, I went and took my own path because I felt like I needed to go and learn from someone else. And that's no disrespect. That's like I said, you know, I, was, I say it all the time. That's just what you do as a chef. You go to as many places as you can. Try and get as much experience as you can. Anyway, so we're at this place and we're probably about three weeks in and there's this guy and he was of um, Indian descent. I, I, I won't say his name, but uh, he, he says his name emphatically. Eh? So it's like hard not to put him in the story, but I'll try not to. And, you know, we're working. Um, I'm making like a, a pizza dough in the corner and my mate's making sandwiches. And this guy, he once, uh, this is before we came, we, we'd only heard stories and, you know, whether it's true or not remains to be seen. Um, uh, we, uh, the, the chef heard, like our, our friend, uh, he heard that this guy, before we were there, served to um, really high-profile clients he served some Bircho muesli that it had some flies babies in them. Now, I don't know if you know what flies babies are, but, you know, if you want to stop and Google what a flies baby is, go ahead. It's quite disgusting. Um, he he allegedly served them to these high-profile pro, customers. And, there was, you know, and that's quite disgusting. And there's no way that I... Honestly, I've got my hands clasped together and I pray that he is still not operating as a a um, hospitality representative <laughs> because, you know, it was a lot of stuff that I seen really scared me about the industry, especially when I was younger. It really scared me how not necessarily the older generation, but people that people were um, were like. You know, it's a really scary thing when you see everything go right for so long and then you see someone do something so left of field and, you know, damaging and harming that could, you know, could harm someone. That's when, you know, you really start to question your um, your choices and it really makes you, it really gets you scared. It really scared me when I heard the story. And, um, you know, it's it's all jokes aside, he shouldn't. He shouldn't be a um, a cooking professional, right? And um, anyway, my my chef, you got to be cranky at him for something. 
Um, it was just, he would just, he was just not pulling his weight. Um, me and my mate, um, I'll, 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 I'll say the chef for the guy who the story is about. And, you know, this is how I seen the story. This is not his personal retail of the events. This is just how I seen it in the corner making pizza dough. <laughs> right. And, um, he was like, he went up to him and he said, mate, what are you doing? What, 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 what exactly are you doing? And the guy was like, he was of Indian descent. So I'll try and do an Indian accent. Sometimes I can't pull it off, which, you know, annoys me a little bit. And he's like, I'm chef. I'm, I'm doing my work. I'm here to do my job and it is not to do your job, right? And the sh- my chef's like, you don't need to do my job. I'm, I can do my job. You just need to do yours. I'm the head chef. You're not the head chef. Because this guy apparently was just taking, like filling the boots, um, trying to be the head chef before, you know, the, the roadies, <laughs> the roadies came along. So I'm, you know, you know, just casually, casually listening, not really paying attention. I'm, you know, making dough in the corner and, um, it just blows up <laughs> and he's like, no, no, you, you are useless. It is you. You are the useless one. It is not me. I'm doing my job. You, you are useless. <laughs> and my chef's like, no, I'm not useless. You're useless. You're the one not pulling your weight. You're the one not doing your job. You're the one that is useless. Then he's like, no, 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 no. And he says his name. <laughs> he says, no, 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 I won't say his name. I won't say his name. But he says his name and it's the most hilarious name. Um, It was like, I'll tell you what it rhymes with. He was like, I'm... <laughs> I'm BJ. <laughs> I'm BJ Adalavavava. And you will not forget my name. <laughs> You're not going to forget my name because you are useless. It is you. <laughs> and he was like, you know, I need you. The chef was like, I need you. I need you to calm down and I need you to leave. And he was like, no, I'm going to the boss. I'm going to the boss and you're going to be in trouble. It is not going to be me because you are useless. You're not going to forget my name. (laughs) And I guarantee you he's forgot his name. (laughs) And then he stormed off. And me and my friend were like trying to compose ourselves. (laughs) And like he, um, our chef, you know, comes up and he's like, did I swear? And we're like, no, chef, you didn't swear. And it's like, good. I don't want to lose the moral high ground, but he is useless. <laughs> and we're just trying to compose ourselves from like hearing this, this Indian guy just like almost cry while yelling at our chef. And we know how our chef work and how like good he was compared to this guy that's serving like fly babies <laughs> to like high profile clients, you know? So um, there you go. There you go, mate. That's, that's the story. Anyway, uh, one thing led to another. He, we basically just forced this guy out. Um, he just like couldn't live up to the, couldn't work to the standard of what we're working at. So, you know, one 
uh, warning led to another one and another one, another one. And he ended up leaving, which was kind of mutual as well because it was kind of um, it was kind of detrimental to us because he was putting us backwards instead of forwards, which is quite frustrating. Because you always want to be when you go there and you're a new crew and you're a new team, you just want to make everything good and the standard that you've been doing your whole career, that's the standard you want to keep. So he was not doing that. You know, he would just do things the old way. You know, we'd make nap sauce this way and he would make it that way. And we'd, um, you know, we'd do, you know, whatever. And he would, yeah. They used to deep fry these burgers, these burger patties that you just basically cooked on a flat top. They were already pre-cooked, right? And um, this is the first place I'd seen them. And he would he would just be like, you take the patty, you deep fry, and then you put it in the oven. <laughs> I was like, what are you saying? Are you telling me you put a burger patty in the deep fryer and then you put it in the oven? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Because I'm not doing that. <laughs> He's like, but that's how you cook it. It tells you how to cook it. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> no, that's how you cook it. He's like, it is. It's how you cook it. I'm telling you. And I was like, nah, nah, nah. I didn't do it. You know, I just put it straight in the oven. It's like, nah, it'll be ready in 10 minutes. That's how we'll cook them. That's how we're going to cook it. You know? um, sorry, I'll stop doing that. I do apologize to anyone who is of um, Indian descent for my um, horrible Indian accent. But you got to understand, I'm not, taking, I'm not taking the mickey out of your culture or your ideals. It's just, that's how this guy spoke. It'd be the same if I spoke like a, like a Yabba Australian, you know, I'm taking, I'm taking the mickey out of people that I've worked with and been around. I'm not taking the mickey out of your culture because I do like Indian food. Sometimes I like papadams and rotis. Yeah. I like a garlic and cheese roti. They're really nice. Yeah. What do we got? We got more time. Yeah, we got we got time for a few more stories, Chef. Always, Chef. Always time for more. There's always more stories we can tell. I'll tell I'll tell you once. I'll tell you another. I'll tell you heaps of stories today. There was um, there was this guy. He was a um, kind of he wasn't a he wasn't a chef. He was like a food and beverage um kind of manager. And as a chef, you generally get told by people how to do your job. <laughs> all the time, which is like really, really annoying because people, I don't know, some people think that being, being a chef is relatively easy when I tell you it's not, it's really not. It's one of the hardest jobs. It's mentally draining. It's physically draining. It's spiritually draining. You know, it's, you got to put a lot into being a chef and a lot of people just think that they can, because, you know, we cook bacon, they can cook bacon. You know, they cook eggs at home, they can cook eggs, you know, commercially. Which is fine. Like, some people do cross over and do a good job, eh? You know, I'm not going to say it's... it's um, I'm not going to say not everyone can do it. Because I've seen it. Some people can do it. So you constantly push as a chef to prove that you have, you know, to prove everybody wrong. And you've just got this massive chip on your shoulder for the most case, eh? You know? which is fine. You know, that's just the, 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 the way it is. Uh, anyway, so, uh, we had some leftover 
Barramundi. And this Barramundi, it was from a function, right? And um, my my friend and I, we were, we were strapped for ideas. You know, it was already like, it was... Um, it was like the, the, the barramundi fillets were on a tray and they had a, a, a beurre blanc, which is like a butter, a creamy kind of butter sauce on it. It has citrus. So it's like a, it was a lemony one, a citrus beurre blanc on it. It already had it on there. So we were thinking, oh, we'll just, um, we'll just put it on a, for a special, you know, and we'll just heat it up. We'll reheat it back in the oven and, um, and then we'll just serve it with like some sides, you know? And, um, so that, that's the plan we had, right? And then the next day we come in and we see this little flyer on the bench and it says barramundi pie. (laughs) And me and my mate are like, Ooh, what, what, what's going on? And this guy who, you know, thought he could, you know, do our job. He said, I, I, I found the, um, I found the barramundi leftover from the function and I just put them all into pies. And I said, with the sauce, he said, yeah. So, uh, so it's a citrus beurre blanc barramundi pie. And it's like, yeah, it tastes great. <laughs> and I was like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. You don't put, you don't put a barramundi fillet, crush it up. And then just put it in a pie. Because imagine how someone who's not a chef would do this. They would just take the, the fillet off the tray, put it in a pie, and then put a lid on. That's all that would happen. They wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't mix it all together in a big pot or a big bowl and season it. Well, they wouldn't add anything, you know, like, I'm not even saying it's a good idea. It's a horrible idea. Don't do it. But there's like, you can take something, you could have turned that into you know, a nice special that you can sell for more than 20 bucks instead of a pie that you sell for 12. You know what I'm saying? So he just, he went like, he went down the wrong rabbit hole. You know, there's ways to use food in a way that you can sell it, right? (laughs) You you can't sell it if you just put it in a pie (laughs) and make barra pies. It's not going to, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You put a pie you put a barramundi in a pie with some creamy buttery sauce. Like when you heat that up, it would just split and it would just be fat, like butter. Anyway, that happened. That's a true story. The barramundi pie. I don't know if, um, (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen, I've seen like weird pies but they're places that are known for weird stuff. Like there's a bakery on your way up to Coffs Harbour and they do like kangaroo pie, uh, camel pie, crocodile pie, um, emu pie. They do like all these weird pies, but they're known for it, right? You don't, you, imagine being a traveler and you just go to like this place that has like a modern contemporary Australian menu. Then on the specials, it says barra pie, 12 bucks. <laughs> And then you ask, oh, what's what's in the barra pie? And they say, it's a creamy, buttery sauce. <laughs> a slight hint of citrus in a pastry. That's horrible. Horrible. 
horrible. But this guy, this guy was a bit dodgy, eh? Like I remember him telling me stories. These are his stories, not mine. He uh, he used to work in England and they used to have like the smoke machines. Well, they still do have like cigarette machines where you can buy cigarettes in the packets. And he used to open the back of it or the front of it, wherever, before like a busy night. And he would just, he would like take three or four smokes out of every single packet to make a packet instead of buying a packet of smokes. So then when like the customer would like pay for their cigarettes in the smoke machine and like grab them out, there would be like 10 cigarettes in there instead of 20. And they complain and he would just say, oh, sorry, mate, that's a cigarette company. It's We're not associated with it. Even though he's got the key and stocks it. <laughs> you know, these are the kind of people that unfortunately exist in the realms of hospitality. There is some super dodgy people in hospitality. That's the reality. There's a lot of people that won't pay your super. <laughs> They'll just pay your cash in hand so they don't have to pay the tax. Unfortunately, that's the reality. I don't know any of these people and it's never happened to me, but they're the type of people that do exist in this realm of hospitality. It's another planet sometimes. You know, you hear about dodgy stories in any line of work, but yeah, for some reason, hospitality, it's more prominent. It's like the worst of people come out when food's involved. It's so volatile, you know? It's good that it gets shine in a positive light on TV because a lot of the guys that work in it and have been working in this industry for more than 10 years, like myself, we just know how the world works now, eh? You know, we're like, we're all like that old, we're like Nick Nolte in 48 hours. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go watch 48 hours with Nick Nolte and um, Eddie Murphy. Cause that's what every chef that's done more than 10 years is like. <laughs> we're all Nick Nolte's. We're all these, we're all these grizzled, grizzled hardened detectives that have seen one too many women of the night be taken. He's not Southern either. I can't do a Nick Nolte, actually. You just have to growl a lot. That would be Nick Nolte. I really like Nick Nolte as well. If you ever see The Good Thief, it's a really underrated film that he's in. It's really, yeah, it's really good. Not many people seen it and didn't get the critical acclaim, say, like 48 Hours did, or like the um, the one who did with Barbara Streisand. Um, but, yeah. I, I like it. That's my favorite Nick Nolte is um, The Good Thief. The Good Thief. The Good Teeth. Thick as Thieves. Actually, that's a good um, Alec Baldwin one. That's pretty underrated too. Yeah. I really like B-rated movies sometimes, don't you? There's like a couple of movies that didn't like get the the right kind of critical critic, critically acclaimed, you know, spotlight that they would normally get like um shoot em up with clive owen and paul giamanti uh that that's a pretty cool like fast pace well shoot em up <laughs> but it didn't really kick off the way it was meant to like it, it used an interesting thing and it was um cgi squibs so instead of like a squib is something they use in hollywood and they're remotely activated little pockets of blood. So when the actor shoots their gun, the visual effects dude will like activate a squib 
and it'll you know where the gun's pointed it'll pop and like blood will splatter and it's what they call a squib and they have like these go look it up they're cool man hey go look up like a squib vest and they actually have like a bit of like not a lot but like a little explosive it's not an explosive i shouldn't say explosive but it it forces the actor to have a reaction as well like when a squib goes off you know it goes you know and they go oh that stung a little bit so they react to like getting shot as well without being shot you know yeah they're good squibs are good anyway i got a bit sidetracked there what are we talking about dodgy people in hospitality what else would we talk about on a show about hospitality this is a hospitality episode so you know full disclosure all right we're not we're not talking about too much we're just talking about some funny stuff that's happened in hospitality and for me a lot of a lot of funny things have happened to me in my hospitality journey and i'm sure there still will be things that i do laugh about and i do you know react to but there is going to be a time where i run out of stories so if you guys got some stories here we go here's the shameless plug guys it's coming it's coming if you do have some stories that you do want to share with me, you can send them to me at um, mymindpodcast at gmail, or you can or you can follow and leave a comment on um, on um, I'm not on YouTube. I'm not. I'm trying to work out YouTube. I've hired a um, a new social media director. <laughs> That's not going to be me. So hopefully he'll um, he will make it work. Shout out to you you know who you are i won't announce it yet because it's not a big thing to announce i don't think or maybe it is it's a big thing in my life but for you guys listening it's not so much a big thing you know so you guys don't have to worry about the behind the scenes stuff um but look i really appreciate your help you know anyway so you you can you can go on to instagram you can go to the gram and you can follow my mind podcast with no vowels it's just my mind podcast so m-y-m-n-d-p-d-c-s-t on Instagram, you can follow, you can comment on, on all the, all the, the stuff I put on there and you can, you can tell me, you know, some of your hospitality stories or you, the journeys that you've had, or you can, you know, slide into my DMS on Instagram as well. You can, you can leave a five-star review on Google or iTunes because I'm there. I'm there, right? I'm, I'm there on, um, I'm there. <laughs> Sounds like the um that Bob Dylan movie. I'm there. I'm there. It's me, Bob Dylan. I'm there. That's a horrible Bob Dylan, actually. Um, I'm still here. Actually, is a movie with Heath Ledger. It's that's actually an interesting. We're just a little sidetracked away from the shameless plug. But hey, look, if you want to go leave a five star review, definitely leave a positive one because that's how more people hear about these hospitality stories, and they know what to expect. If they're coming into their hospitality journey, they got, you know, a bit of a heads up rather than you've got to be cooking um, fine dining straight off the bat, you know, because that's quite a rare opportunity. You have to, like, build a, a resume to do those kinds of things. You know, more power too if you just jump into those things, but you need to learn. Uh, a wise person once said to me, you need to cook before you can cook. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're the basics that you need to learn. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just do a little bit of a. Uh, I'm not there. If you've ever if that's the uh, I'm still here. No, that's the Joaquin Phoenix one. I'm not there. Is the Bob Dylan one? Yeah, so it's a Bob Dylan. It's a Bob Dylan 
biopic starring Heath Ledger, Kate Blanchett, Dennis Quaid, and there's another one. Oh, who is it? Four four people play Bob Dylan throughout his whole career, which is quite unique and interesting. I think Kate Blanchett does a really good job of playing Bob Dylan in like because she plays him when he does like the revolutionary stuff, like in the sixties, where he's you know he did like Times Are Changing and stuff like that. And she, yeah, she did a really good job of playing Bob Dylan, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Dennis Quaid did like the latest. I'll look. I'll look it up. I'll look it up, and I'll let you know next episode. Um, I'll write that down. Hang on, just let me write that down. Cast of Bob Dylan movie. It's really good. Yeah, it's a really sorry. I just screamed into the microphone. Um, it's a really good film. I don't think it quite got the acclaim that it was after, but it's more of like a cult hit now. You know, categorizing his life, which is good. So we got time for one more. Always, always got time for one more. So there's the there's the plug out of the way. So you can you know go ahead and do what you need to do. Send me your questions. I like the questions. I've only had one, one you know one person tell me that they want to hear that's you know the the um the story about the you know my what one of my chefs like. Telling telling him that he's useless and then he was you know useless. That's a, that's a cool. I, I like that story. It's a funny story. Um, I work with this one guy and he was so egotistical. He was just like he had the biggest ego, but none of the work ethic. You know, one day he um, said to one of the apprentices because I, I I was working there and I was like you know doing really well and I was you know obviously just working people think i'm mad when i'm working but i'm just working you know i'm i'm busy i'm busy all the time you know you want to come and have a chat to me a casual conversation to me you need to tell me you need to say oh stefan can can we have a chat do you mind if we have a chat and i'll say yeah for sure no dramas you know oh, i'm happy to but don't come up to me and and just assume that i'm cranky cuz not i'm just working that's, that's that's my working face is that I'm concentrating so I look angry like most people do most people look cranky when they're working you know anyway so you know I'm working away and I start questioning a lot of things I say like oh you know with these tenderloins like beef tenderloin you want me to um how, how big do you cut them a 300 oh for sure um do uh, I'll roll them, I'll, I'll roll them and then I'll cut them after. I'll roll them and let them sit in the fridge and then I'll cut them. And he's like, no, nah, just cut them. I said, well, that's not how you do it, is it? You don't just cut the tenderloin and then they're just going to be all right. Like you roll it and then you put it in the fridge and then you cut it once it's out of the fridge and then you can cook it. Oh, that's not how we do it here. Chef, that's not how we do it, right? Anyway, so I did it anyway because <laughs> that's how I like to do it because you get a cylinder. You get a nice cylinder with a tenderloin. With a tenderloin, it looks like, you know, it looks like a really untoned calf muscle. <laughs> like it looks very, very unimpressive. It looks like a baseball bat that's gone limp. You know, it's got like a big top and then a really small 
uh, bottom end, which is like the tail piece. And like what you want, you want to trim it, you know, get the sinew off and like any other bits of stray fat. And um, what's the top piece called? Oh, oh, I can't remember now. I've had a big um, mental blank. Uh, anyway, you take the top piece off and you can use that for something else. You know, you can use that as a fillet or whatever. Anyway, you, you roll it in cling film or saran wrap or glad wrap and you roll it tight. So it's a nice cylinder and then you put it in the fridge and then you take it out later and you cut it. So when you cut it, they stay like cylinders. They stay like these nice round pieces, which look good, right? I choose to roll a lot of things. Excuse me. I'm just going to stand up. I choose to um, roll a lot of things because it makes it a bit, um, a bit one easy to portion, and two, it looks better on the plate. It's a presentation thing as well. So, um, anyway, I'd be telling this apprentice, you know, things to try and help him, and you know, explain stuff and explain, you know, how you build like a, a basic like Napolitana sauce and stuff like that, and like how to make aioli and all this kind of stuff and, you know, how he should cut an onion because you're not cutting an onion right. And um, <laughs> and the guy says to him, he says, um, I, I taught Stefan all he knows. So all that knowledge that Stefan knows, I taught him. And I hadn't worked with this guy, a total time working with this guy, about 18 months. And I've been cooking for... Is 21, um, uh, uh, 11, 11, almost 12 years, 11 years, 12 years I've been cooking for, right? So for 18 months, my whole culinary knowledge is down to that one guy. I learned everything I could in 18 months. That's, that's hogwash. That's bush week. No way. That's not true. You can't be telling apprentices that <laughs> you can't be telling them that. <laughs> I, you taught me everything you know when we haven't worked together that much. Actually, an interesting little tidbit is that at that place we worked at, I didn't even work with him once before he left. I'd only worked with him for... Nah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't work with him once. I didn't even work one service with him. The, he, um, the, the one service... Uh, my first shift there, I was like, oh, um, where, do you, where do you want me to work? I'm happy to see how you two work and I'll just jump in if you need me. Because that's generally what you do on your first day. You generally just don't jump in the deep end and go, yeah, I can cook because that's stupid. You don't know where anything is, right? And this happened before service. And he was like, nah, you're running the service. You and him, you're running the service. I said, what are you doing? He said, he didn't say anything. He said, no, nah, I want you two to run it. I was like, oh, fine, dude, whatever. And um, <laughs> I told this apprentice, I said, get everything out. Everything that we need for service, get it out on the bench. I want to see everything. And he was like, oh, what do you mean? We just work from the fridge. It's like, today you don't work from the fridge. Today, I want to see all of the mise en place. You know what mise en place is? He just kind of shrugged. No, I don't know, chef. And it's like, it means everything in its place. Everything that we need to go on the menu, to put onto the plates, needs to be out so I can see everything, so I can know what everything is and how we're going to work. 
uh, okay, yes, chef. Tell me, yes, chef. Yes, yes, chef. Yes, chef. <laughs> right? And he gets all of it out. And then this other guy, do you know what he does? Sits out the back, drinking beer. <laughs> and at that point, I'm like, oh, man, whatever, right? Eh? You know, you do you. You're about to go on holiday or you're about to do whatever. You're about to have you two days off, whatever, man. Eh? Just leave me with the mess you've created right? And the whole service, I'm telling this guy, he's touching everything with his hands, everything, touching with his hands, touching with his hands, chicken, you know, uh, lamb, beef, everything with his hands. I said, babe, what are you doing? So, oh, oh, I'm working. I was like, you're not working well though, are you, chef? And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, this is how I always work. And I was like, I handed him a, a tea towel in his left hand. No, I think I said, are you left-handed or right-handed? He said, I'm right-handed. So I handed him a tea towel in his left hand. I said, put this here. Then I handed him a pair of tongs and I said, put this one in here. Now stop touching all the food. (laughs) Right? And um, he's holding these two things and he just forgot how to work. (laughs) It's like he had no idea how to work anymore because he was like holding this tea towel, which is for hot things, so you know, so you don't burn yourself. And the tongs, so you limit the things that you have contact with your hands, which is a hygiene thing. You know, you can wash a pair of tongs more thoroughly than you can wash your hands because you, your skin is like a sponge. You ever put moisturizer on and then rub it in until there's none left? It's because your skin absorbs it. So imagine that's what's happening with a lot of meat and juice and olive oil and stuff like that. Like eventually it just gets soaked into your hand because that's how your skin works. It absorbs over time, not right away. You're not going to put your hand in water and it's just going to soak up a liter of water. Like it'll happen over time. Um, anyway, so and this guy fully forgot how to work. And apparently he sent a message to the head chef and he was like, oh, I, I needed your guidance tonight. Where were you? This guy was really mean. It's like, I'm not mean. <laughs> I'm not mean at all. That's just how you work, you know. But I'll tell you, I, you know, I think, yeah, he, he had a long way to go. And I think the, this guy's problem was that he would pump the tires up of the apprentice or apprentices or cooks. So he would, you know, get them to think they're doing a really, really good job, which is not a good thing to do. He would, you know, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. And then he would just leave them and go, Oh, because, because you're doing such a good job. I don't need to be here anymore. That's how it felt. You know, that was the, that was his thing, you know, which is not right. You don't do that. There's never a point where you should leave an apprentice unattended without staff around. It's just not right. An apprentice shouldn't be there by themselves, especially when they're in their first year. Their first year of learning is quite crucial, you know? Yeah, they can't be left alone. A word to the wise. Try to reduce the time that you leave your apprentices alone, especially with sharp and hot things because they won't do well, (laughs) especially if they don't know what to do. Another thing is like um, I was making, um, I had to make a, a pork broth and um, I said to the apprentice, where's the recipe for this pork broth? And no, I asked the chef. I was like, where's, where's, um, do you have a, a, um, a recipe for this pork broth or this pork belly? How you cook it? Like, what do you do? Do you like, um, do you roast it? Do you braise it? Like, do you confit it? Like, what, what, do, what do you do? And he was like, I just roast it. I just roast it in the oven with five spice and olive oil. <laughs> And like scoffed at me like I should have known. And you can put some soy sauce in there too. I was like, mate, I'm not coming at you with attitude. 
you know, like I'm just asking for a recipe of like how you do things. I don't know how you work. You know, I'm not a mind reader. A lot, you know, a common thing in hospitality is uncommon sense. You know, like if I go to a place and people just expect me to know their menu, that's, that's not right, mate. Eh? Like that's not how the world works anyway. Um, and I was like, well, where's your recipe, mate? Like, do you have a recipe or what? He's like, nah, nah, don't. Just do what I tell you. Just do, just do it how I do it. Five spice, olive oil, and soy sauce. I was like, that's how you braise. Is that how you roast your pork belly? Yes, that's how I do it. Well, whatever, man. Hey, did it. It was horrible. It was not a nice product. So I did it in like, a, I made like a miso broth and did it in the miso. It's, it's much better. And then he did... I was like, how do you make this pork broth? And he was like, mm. I just boil the pork bones. I was like, all right. And then I thin it out with water. And once it's once it's cold, I put shiitake mushrooms in it, soy sauce. And what was it? Uh, it was like coriander stems. And there was something else. I think it was lemongrass or ginger. It was one of the two. And then I just I just do that. And I just keep thinning it out with soy sauce. So you, you take this, uh, the first step of a nice stock, pork stock, and then you just throw all this stuff in after. Yeah, because that's how you make it. And that was his belief on how to make it, eh? You know? Anyway, I don't work there anymore. I'm quite happy where I work now, so... Yeah. Anyway, I'll stop telling so many stories about how, you know, people, but these are the real stories. That's what you got to realize too. This is the real things that happen in hospitality. I'm not saying it to be, um, condescending towards all these people. I'm just telling you that's, this is the reality I see and that's, you know, what it is. And I'm not saying it to push people out. If anything, I've learned more from people's mistakes and I've learned from a lot of good chefs show me good technique. Obviously, no, that's not right to say. I've learned a lot. That's That sounds disrespectful to all the good chefs that I've worked with, but they have as well. They've learned from their mistakes and a lot of other people's mistakes as well. And that's what hospitality is right there. And that's it. We'll wrap it up there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a good week. Um, I hope you enjoyed these stories. I think they're definitely some of the perlers that I've witnessed in kitchens. And next week, we'll probably have more stories. Um, but like I said, if you've got stories about anyone, not anyone, don't name and shame people. Let's not make this a name and shame thing. You know, you don't have to tell me the names, but you can just give me a brief description of the story and I'll retell it here, right? Um... <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, you can, t- you can tell me your stories. You can send that, you can send an email to my mind podcast at gmail.com. You can follow it on Instagram, um, my mind podcast with no vowels, M Y M N D P D S C T. Is that podcast? All right. P D C S T podcast, or you can leave a five star, please. I'm begging. Leave a five-star review on uh, Google or iTunes because that'll help us grow. And then everyone can hear these stories. And then, you know, one day Peter Gilmore will be on here telling me his stories (laughs) 
about um, his worst experiences in the kitchen. And I'm not, to, like I said, I'm not doing it to shine a poor light on hospitality. I'm doing it because no one else is doing it. You know, I'm doing it because sometimes bad things happen in kitchens and we learn from it and we grow from it and we become better chefs because of it. Better people as well. That's why we're doing this. So with that, I'll see you all next time. Hopefully. No, I will. I'll see you next time. Thank you.